Falcon's Nest Podcast. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that the Falcon's Nest Podcast is produced, recorded, and distributed on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional lands of many diverse First Nations, including Cree, Dene, Nakoda, Soto, and Dakota, as well as the traditional homeland of the Métis. The Falcon's Nest Podcast team pays their respects to the First Nations and Métis ancestors of this land and is committed to truly listening and learning as we work towards reconciliation together. If you are listening in a different location, please take the time to acknowledge the original stewards of the land you are currently on. This episode of the Falcon's Nest Podcast contains descriptions of death, trauma, and other topics our listeners might find to be upsetting. Please be aware of these possible triggers. Today, we are discussing drunk driving and its consequences. Due to the nature of today's content, there is no prize code or featured falcon. Now, please welcome Parthi Shah to the mic. Hi, I'm Parthi Shah, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Falcon's Nest podcast. This episode, we'll be discussing the impacts of drunk driving. Every year, drunk driving cases have impacted the safety and lives of thousands of people. It has become a significant problem in Canada and globally. During the last holiday season alone, there were 200 impaired driving cases in in our province. Today, we will be focusing on the tragic event of the Vandevorst family. In early 2016, Jordan Vandevorst, his wife Shanda, and their kids Cameron and Maguire died after a collision that occurred due to drunk driving. Jordan's parents, Lou and Linda Vandevorst, will be joining us on today's episode to share their story. Mr. and Mrs. Vandvorst, thank you for joining us on today's episode. Uh, we believe it will leave a strong impact on our listeners and spread awareness on road safety and help uh, young drivers on the road. Um, before we get started, uh, would you like to introduce yourselves for a bit and talk a little bit about your loved ones who are tragically involved in the accident? Sure. So, uh, yeah. Um Lou Vandevorst. A little bit of background about myself. Uh, I spent my working career uh, in a retail store and then I moved on to uh, driver education and I worked. Uh, my final job was at uh, SGI as a claims adjuster. So um, I was really involved in traffic collisions and that kind of thing before our crash happened. I'm Linda Vandevorst. Um, I am retired right now. Prior to retirement, I worked for the Saskatoon Public School Board in the Saskatoon Board of Education main office. But prior to that, I worked in the high schools. I worked at Marion Graham for many years, working with students in the attendance department. Then I also went to the other high schools, Evan Hardy, Centennial. So kids are really important to me. And to get this message across is really important that other people hear this message from us as well. You want to know a little bit about our loved ones who we lost on that night of January 3rd, 2016. We had four children. We had two boys, two girls. Jordan was the third child in our family. He was uh, 34 years old at the time of the crash. He was involved in medical research for phenomenon discoveries. Shanda was our daughter-in-law. She was an exercise therapist at the time of the crash. She was 33. Cameron, our youngest granddaughter, was five years old, who had just started kindergarten in September of 2015. And we had little Maguire. He was our only grandson. At the time of the crash, he was two years old. 
So in our family, around our dinner table, there would be 14 at the dinner table. And after this crash, we now have 10. Can you describe the events that led up to the accident and what happened on the day of? To start with, Jordan and Shanda and their family were out in Osler, or in Warman rather, sorry, visiting with friends that evening because it was still the holiday season. And uh, they had gone there to spend some time with some really good friends they had from high school and university. They played board games together. They uh, spent the evening together with them. And uh, and Jordan and Chanda and, and the family left to go home about 12 midnight that night. Uh, they were driving home so that Jordan could go drop his family off and take photos of the night sky. He was an avid photographer in his, in his as a hobby. Uh, Catherine McKay, uh, the other party involved in the crash, she had dinner. Uh, court documents uh, stated that she had consumed two bottles of wine, full bottles of wine prior to uh, while she was cooking dinner and uh, consuming dinner. And then after that, she went out to uh, one of the bars. Uh, it was uh, called the Industrial Bar. And uh, she spent some time there. Don't know how much she actually had to uh, to drink at that time, but she had more to drink. Um, when she decided to leave the bar, somebody offered her a ride to get home, and she refused that ride. And uh, then she got into her car and drove over to her second bar, which is in the north end here. And uh, she was served one beer, and then the uh, server there, because they knew she was too intoxicated, they didn't stop her from getting back into her car and driving away. She thought she was going home. She actually headed north on Wanuskewin Drive. Jordan and Shanda were on Highway 11. Uh, when the crash happened at the intersection of Highway 11 and Wanuskewin Drive, Catherine McKee was, uh, had blood alcohol content of uh, three times the legal limit. Um, she missed the stop sign, missed the uh, rumble strips, drove past two lanes on that highway, the northbound lanes, uh, drove through the median, and then uh, hit Jordan, who was going south on that highway, to get home. Uh, she broadsided his car, pushed him into the ditch. Jordan and Shanda were both killed on impact. The two young ones were buckled into their uh, seat, in the back seat. They needed to cut the roof off and the doors off of the, of the vehicle to, in order to get everybody out of the car. We found out about 3 o'clock, 3.15 that morning, uh, that there was a crash. And then we spent the rest of Sunday and most of Monday at the hospital. I would like to say at 10 to 3 when we um, we were in bed, we got the phone call and the phone call asked if we were, if I was Mrs. Vanderborst and it was Saskatoon City Police at the door and they said, could you please open the door so we can come in. When you get a phone call in the middle of the night like that, you know it's not good news and you're never ready for that at all. So when he came into the door and gave us that horrific news, you don't think right, you don't, you can't grasp what's happening. To be told your son and your daughter-in-law were killed and now you've got two grandchildren that are clinging to life at that point. And while we were, while Lou was discussing it with the Saskatoon police officer, he received a phone call from the neurosurgeon who handed the phone over to Lou and said, your granddaughter is on life support. If you wanna see your grandson, alive you need to come to the hospital so when you get news like that you know it's not good and there's going to be lots of stuff that you have to do with regards to that we were i phoned all the family that morning uh, i phoned uh, my daughter who lived here in uh, saskatoon in montgomery spoke to my son-in-law asked them to come down to uh, the pediatric intensive care did not tell them 
that uh, Jordan and Shanda had been killed, but only that there had been a bad crash and the kids were in uh, pediatric intensive care at that time. And then I phoned my son and my uh, youngest daughter, who uh, both were in Calgary at that time, asked them to come home as soon as they could. And then we waited for uh, the rest of Shanda's family to come to the hospital. And they took McGuire off of life support um, because he was already, they, they could tell he, he was brain dead um, from the crash. And uh, they took him off of uh, life, life support. One of my worst memories of that night was having to tell our daughter that uh, Jordan and, and Shanda had passed away. And uh, it, was, it was really horrific to, to have to tell her that. Um, we spent Sunday and because uh, they asked us about uh, organ transplant and uh, turns out that uh, Cameron was the only viable for organ transplant. Jordan and, and Shanda were uh, okay for tissue transplant but not for their organs. So we waited in the hospital uh, after that, after we gave permission. McGuire was too young to donate anything. We waited until Monday afternoon uh, after the crash. So we spent from about 3.30 in the morning, Sunday morning, to uh, Monday afternoon, about 1 o'clock, where, when uh, they took uh, Cameron down to, because uh, the organ transplant teams were um, had arrived, and they had, they had arranged for her to donate uh, five of her uh, organs at that time. So that's basically what happened. Uh, Catherine McKay uh, was taken to the same hospital she was tested for blood alcohol content. She had, um, like I said, uh, tripled the legal limit. She thought that uh, she did not know what had happened. She thought that Jordan and Shanda had hit her car, which was totally inaccurate. She had broadsided his vehicle, and, uh, and they ended up in the ditch and narrowly missed another vehicle who was traveling northbound on that highway. What would you say um, has been a very big change in your family since the loss of your loved ones and how have um, both you and your wife um, coped with the loss as well as um, your daughter and her family? Well to start with I mean when you lose we we used to have 14 people around our table at family gatherings and Jordan and Shanda and their family had you know come over just about every week for Sunday dinner uh, visited lots with them we were really involved with uh, uh, the grandkids and uh, we spent a lot of time with them uh, so that completely changed after that uh, so we we did not have the for a while it was really hard to get everybody all together in our home because they they our home had too many uh, memories for them to uh, to deal with and I can understand that uh, it was hard to do um, we we still get together but it, there's always uh, a sense of loss you know that surrounds us always I think when you think of 14 people you've got 14 birthdays that come up in a year every one of them is affected because we always had a party and now you just know that there's something missing there's the things that Jordan and Shanda and the kids brought to each event was was unbelievable the laughter we missed the laughter the group laughter there's the mother's day the father's day there's Thanksgiving the Christmas season was so special and it is supposed to be special but from November till the end of January Lou and I struggle with that it's hard to just get motivated to put the Christmas lights on and do the things that we used to do because they're missing. McGuire's birthday, for example, is the same birthday as one of our kids. We don't celebrate that anymore. It's just too hard. We just pass on the day. How has it affected us 
when I hear that there's another family that has lost a child or an adult or a family member due to an impaired driving, I cringe. I cringe. Why? Because I know what that family's going to go through from that day till the end of life. It doesn't go away. The loss is there. The hurt is there. The pain is there. And it's totally a preventable reason. It's just, it doesn't have to happen. So with all those things that we've lost, there's things that we have had to change in our life. We spend a lot of time, you know, uh, going and speaking uh, and doing some presentations to different groups. Whoever asks us, we we uh, come in and, and we do presentations such as this one. Uh, we talk about the circumstances of the accident. We talk about, you know, what could have been different. We talk about our life uh, since then. We talk about the choices and, and consequences people need to make in terms of preventing unnecessary deaths and injuries because somebody gets into his car or her car uh, when they're impaired, whether it's by drugs or by alcohol or anything else like that. So we spend a lot of our time doing that and uh, and trying to make our province safer uh, for people who uh, are driving on the road. Jordan and Shanda, there was no alcohol in their in their system. The autopsy results came back that there was no he he hadn't been drinking at all that night. Toxicology report uh, rather showed that he was he hadn't had anything to drink at all that night. And uh, I really and I strongly believe that people have you don't have the right necessarily to drive, but you do have the right to get home safely when you go somewhere. And uh, Catherine McKay, the person who was involved in that crash, took that away from our family uh, because she did not have the right to drive when she was impaired. And she went into her car and got into her car and started driving. Not only did we um, have experienced this loss, there were so many other people that were involved. And I think it's important to know that a crash doesn't only involve the family. It involves the police officers who were at the scene. One RCMP officer actually held McGuire's hand as he gave him his last little squeeze. There was the fire department, all the members of the fire department that showed up. There was the paramedics, the tow truck drivers, the hospital staff that had to deal with this, the doctors, the surgeons, the nurses, um, the babysitter that the kids were supposed to go to the next day, um, Jordan and Shanda's co-workers. Cameron's just started elementary school it was kindergarten first day back after Christmas well someone had to call the school and let that teacher know that Cameron wasn't coming back and she had to tell all these young classmates that their that their classmates not coming back the public's involved it's just it's not just limited to the family when you have a collision a crash that involves death from an impaired driver or someone who's drug impaired it goes far beyond and everyone is affected and people have to realize it's not worth it don't do it what do you think could have been done to prevent the accident and what changes would you like to see in the future to prevent similar tragedies um, in others family well first of all uh, Catherine made a bad choice she had problems and instead of reaching out and trying to get help from her problems uh, from other people she decided to uh, get into drinking alcohol to try and solve her problems or to ease the pain of her problems uh, that was a bad choice but the, the worst choice was is that she got into her car and drove away uh, so that's one thing when you when you talk about uh, impaired or people who are impaired 
more often than not, like Catherine knew, or there's people there that knew she was impaired, too impaired to drive. In the first bar that she was at, one of the, the people employed at the bar offered her a ride home to, to get home. And uh, she refused, and she got into her car. The, it was a good thing that he offered her a ride home. However, it didn't. he stopped right there and didn't go in any further. He just let her drive away. And uh, in the second bar, uh, they stopped serving her, which is the right thing to do because she's too impaired, too intoxicated to drive. But again, nobody tried to stop her. Nobody tried to take her keys away. Nobody called the police. And we have a very good uh, system, uh, a very good reporting system in, in uh, Saskatchewan report impaired drivers. And the police are more than happy to uh, take your calls. They're completely anonymous. Uh, that makes people, the police cannot be everywhere all the time. They are limited in their resources, and, and people who notice somebody who might be impaired, maybe, you don't have to prove that they're impaired, but they might be impaired because of various things, weaving in the, in the lanes, um, going too slow, going too fast, um, going the wrong way down the highway. All those kind of things are, are um, hints that somebody, there's something wrong with that person, whether it, they're impaired by drugs or alcohol, maybe they're sleepy anything like that but the point is is that RID is for impaired driving and and the police are very very happy to take a call and go and investigate that call and they would much sooner take that call and go and investigate that call than have to go and take a report and then go to somebody's home and say your son your daughter got killed in a car crash whether they were impaired at the time or whether they it was an impaired driver who killed them so that's that's another thing and that's the uh, 911 call report impaired driving don't hesitate to call you don't have to worry if you're the judge the police will figure that out themselves but you're just saving a life another thing is stronger sanctions would be really helpful to prevent similar tragedies from occurring in the future right now it's a three-day suspension and that is just a slap on the hand I would like to see longer suspensions and vehicle impoundment for example 30 days that will certainly hurt and it'll hurt your pocketbook. It'll be inconvenient because you don't have a, a car to drive around in. Others would be fect affected by it. Your family would be affected, your work. When you have a 30-day suspension and have to pay all the costs and have the inconvenience, you're sure as heck not gonna do it again, or I would hope you wouldn't because it really does affect you and your family and the people around you. Another thing I'd like to see is more education on the effects of alcohol and drug impairment and its effect on society. I think education is so important and it needs there needs to be more of it. And I need another thing is all individuals to become more socially responsible, making strong choices in calling out if you see someone that's possibly impaired. There's also one other thing that we haven't heard much about right now, but there's an anti-impairment technology that is already present in car in car manufacturers. We need to speak to the government to get this technology into vehicles. It's an amazing thing that um, that they could do. For example, the some of the technologies is maybe uh, a camera to see maybe your eyes are, are not focusing on the road or maybe you're falling asleep. There's that. There's also the, if you're going off the lane, it will alert you. There's just so many other things. And not only will it help impaired, it, it also helps if you're having a stroke or, or a medical problem. So these are the things that I would like to see in the future that would come out 
that would stop people from dying in crashes. Um, what message or word of advice would you share to people, especially teens and ones with family? Um, of course, uh, the biggest message, of course, is always to, if you know you're going out, you know there may be alcohol or drugs uh, being uh, served or consumed, uh, leave your keys at home. Don't take your own car. Plan a safe ride home. So the, the first part about that is if you don't drive yourself, then you're going to have to find a way, a way home. And there's all kinds of different ways to uh, get home, whether it's by uh, a friend who is not impaired, who has not been drinking, um, uh, Ubers, taxis, anything like that. Uh, there's a number of different ways uh, to make sure that you get home safely. Stay overnight somewhere. Uh, take a bus if you, if you have to. And there's there's a lot of ways to do that that's the first thing plan a safe ride home and always plan a secondary have a backup plan talk to your parents make an agreement with your parents and there's a lot of, of teenagers uh, that have their driver's license already and it's not just teens that get impaired driving charges it's adults it's it's uh, people who are 50 and over they they also have uh, there's an issue with impaired driving in that age bracket. Um, make making a, a pact with your parents that if they need a ride home, you can go and get them, pick them up and drive them. Make a safe plan for both. And then make a plan with your parents that if you're going out and there's dr drugs or alcohol served, they'll come and get you, no judgment, just get you home safe. That's the main thing more than anything else is to get home safe. And that's what I would say. The other thing I would like to say is uh, if you're in the situation like we are in, where we have dealing with grief and the loss of a loved one, uh, there's, there's different ways that you can get help to get you, what's the best help way? Help you cope with it. Help you cope with it because your grief is always going to be there. You're always going to be missing that person whom you've lost and you're always going to be grieving that person whom you've lost and sometimes it's worse than others. So it's always, it's a good thing to do is to get, get help if you need help for that. And for me, I would like to say you don't always get a second chance. Don't take a chance. Don't get into an, a car with an impaired driver and don't drive impaired. Life is too precious. Your family loves you and we're working hard f for Jordan and Shanda and their kids to get that message out that life is precious. You're only guaranteed this moment. So you use this moment wisely. So going back to grieving, um, are there any additional support or resources um, that uh, have helped you and how have you grieved through this experience? Well, I can say first off is that um, everybody grieves in a different way. Linda dealt with her grief uh, by doing certain things and, and uh, getting really busy. And, and whereas me, I'm more reserved and kept to myself quite a bit a lot of times. Um, coping with grief is different. Um, I read a couple of things that the grief is sort of like a, a storm that capsizes your ship in it and you get your first your waves are constant and they're high really high and almost impossible to get through and you're on a life raft or hanging onto a, a piece of timber to try and stay afloat and it, eventually uh, the waves sometimes are still quite high but they get further apart and it and it's and it seems to be that way so that's an analogy that i read that was good for me um what got me through i think my through all these years uh has been number one i have a strong faith and that helps me i have a great family 
that supports me and I, I had to rely and I had to uh, look at um, I think I tried to look at it this way is that I have a great family and my other children who I have I still have them and and that helped me and, and I appreciate them so much and the other part of that is that uh, I I don't want to take anything away from my loss. It was horrific loss, but I I really feel that you know some people have losses greater than ours, because they lose a loved one, and that might be their only loved one, and they might have lose a child, and that's only their only child, and 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 an impaired driving crash takes away three young young children, and that and then their whole family is totally destroyed. And they can't replace those children. They never will replace those children. So I, I look at that and I try and think, you know, I lost my son. I lost my grandchildren. I lost my daughter-in-law. And uh, But other people have lost a far greater than I have lost. So I try and look at that as well. And, uh, yeah, and, and, the, and the work that we do this way, uh, by speaking about our loss and, and trying to uh, lessen the amount of impaired driving crashes causing death and imp- and uh, injury. I think that helps a bit too. I just find that grief is so different from one person to another. As Lou shared, when when the crash happened, I right away closed off my my thinking process and I just put it out of my mind because I couldn't deal with it. And to be honest with you, I think still it's buried and one day it's going to just come out and that's something I have to work on but realizing that Lou grieved differently than me and it took me a lot to realize that it's okay for him to grieve differently than me I couldn't understand it in the beginning and yet our kids all grieve differently as well and um, I think that's one thing that I, I like to share that Grief is different for everyone. It's very personal. It's very personal, and it should never be judged. And when someone says, oh, you get over it, no, you don't get over it. I'm sorry. You can't get over something as traumatic as a loss. And as a mother, I lost a part part of my heart, and you just can't put that heart together again. Even in 10 years, 20 years, I live with this every day till the day I die. And anyone who grieves will grieve till the end of time. So it's really important. There there were other resources out there. I know um, s- some of the family members took counseling, and um, I don't know if it worked. I never went to counseling. As Lou said, our faith, or my faith, is uh, trusting, trusting God that he'll help me through it. And thank God he has been, and he is with me, helping me through this, because it's for my life that I have to go on with this. I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, thank you once again, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Van Devorst. I believe it will leave a very, very strong impact on our listeners. Thank, thank you. you, and uh, thank you for having us here. Did you know that in Canada, over 63,000 people are injured in impairment-related crashes, and it's estimated that between 12 to 1,500 people are killed. A CBC article states that in Saskatchewan, more than 50 people die each year due to impaired driving. Statistics show that the average age for impaired drivers are between 25 and 34 years old. Drunk driving continues to be a significant problem in Canada, with thousands of injuries and deaths each year. If you choose to drink and drive, you're not only putting yourself at risk, but others on the road as well. 
Remember to plan ahead, make responsible choices, and always have a safe way to get home. Together, we can help prevent drunk driving and keep our roads safe for everyone. Thank you, Parthi. Drunk driving has been the cause of so many needless deaths over the years, and it ruins the lives of everyone involved. I truly hope that our listeners take what they have learned today to heart and make safe, responsible choices regarding substances in the future. Now, let's take a look at the many events happening for students at MGCI right now. Smudging ceremonies are taking place every week. Keep an eye on announcements for more information. The SRC's annual barbecue celebration, The Summer Sizzler, returns on June 16th. Come out and enjoy some fresh patties, cool drinks, and a variety of games and activities to celebrate the end of the school year with all of MMGCI. The Full Steam Ahead program is hosting their Go It presentations from June 5th to 20th. If you see a Steam member in the halls, wish them luck in the development and presentation of their apps. If you see a Canoe Club member, wish them a bon voyage. They are gearing up for the Canoe Club trip, which is taking place June 9th to 10th. MMGCI's annual Color Day a celebration of the academic achievements of students will take place in the gym on June 19th. It is a wonderful event that celebrates the many great things MMGCI students have done throughout the 2022-23 school year. SRC Grade Rep and Co-President Election Day is May 26th. Determine the future of who represents you in your school. Our track and field season is well underway. Keep an eye on the schedule and come out and support our many talented athletes. The FLS is having a year-end soda sale every Friday in the Commons. Come on down and check it out. Well, that's all for this episode. Tune into the next episode when we examine healthy relationships and intimate partner violence. Watch our Instagram and TikTok at MGCI Falcon's Nest for more details. As always, thank you for your support. Without listeners like you, this podcast wouldn't exist in the form it does today, and we really appreciate you. If you want to provide feedback on your listening experience or want to suggest students who should be interviewed, send an email to falconsnestpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our website, which is linked in the description. Fly high, Falcons, and see you next time. <laughs>